Amen. All right. Well, are you ready to go to the word of the Lord today? This is my, this is twice I've gotten to preach in just a little while. This is fun. I may do it a third time if we had more people, but okay. I know that, um, brother Keith, I know that, uh, did you already pass the box out? Okay. Yeah. All right. We had more kids in the first one. And so Reagan, I know you're a young lady, not a kid, but you might've received that ministry box or, uh, and so thank you, Keith and Michael. Appreciate you guys preparing that. And for our kids, we've got a, you know, in our new building, we're going to have a great kids wing. Looking forward to that. And so, uh, well, uh, let's open our Bibles today, and this will be on the screen also. We're going to go to Acts chapter number two. Thank you, worship team, for those beautiful songs. Appreciate that very much. Love those songs, and I, I felt the presence of the Lord on those and the, and the blessing of the Lord there. Today is Pentecost Sunday. You know what that day is, don't you, Muriel? You know what that day is. That's the great birthday of the church. That's the great day when the Holy Spirit was poured out 2,000 years ago. I would like to read that account and share with you what I shared with our, our first congregation and our first service in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And this will be on the screen here. Here's how it reads. When the day of Pentecost had come, in some translation it says fully come, they were all together in one place. I believe that's a statement of physical uh, proximity, but I also believe it's a statement of spiritual unity. Uh, verse two, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise of like a violent rushing wind, uh, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves. So it would be almost like this. If a ball of fire appeared, and then out of that ball of fire, little flames began to be set upon each person's head. I mean, we're talking about physical, supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit here. And it says, and they, the little flames, rested on each one of them. And guess what happened? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what they did? They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, let me just make a little side note. I didn't say this in the first service, but I'll give you this for extra. You know, there are patterns in the New Testament. You know, there are uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit many, many times in the book of Acts. There's a pattern for that. Now, there, there wasn't flame, a flame of fire every time. There wasn't the wind blowing every time, but there were this spiritual language that would manifest which I believe is for every person. I believe it has different uses, some for private use, some for public use. I won't get into all those. That's another teaching. But I want you to know you see this pattern. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. Every time someone was filled with the Holy Spirit, they knew it. Every time. It wasn't ambiguous. They knew it. They knew when God, the Holy Spirit, had stepped in and touched them and blessed them. I know this. The night I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't like, wow, I wonder if something happened. I knew that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I spoke with tongues. I've been speaking in tongues for 30, 40 years now. Come on, shout amen. And it's beautiful. Why? He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, 
but to God. Now, there's a different use for the public meeting. Not everyone has that public gift to use with the companion gift of interpretation. But I personally believe, as I read and interpret the scripture, that every believer can have a prayer language and a praise language where you can live a strong life. But Jude said, build up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that after a season of just praying in your prayer language, quietly, alone in your prayer closet, you come out, you went in, you felt about this big. And you came out and you felt about this big. I saw it like this. I saw a, a, a dual picture on Facebook, I think it was, some time back. And uh, that, that means it could have been 10 years ago. So I don't know when it was. But I saw the picture. And then what it has, on one side of the picture, it had little kittens. And it says, this is you going into your prayer closet. And then the other side of the picture said, this is you coming out of your prayer closet. And it was some big, huge lions with manes, you know, and that's how it is. How many know after a time when you've been with God and you met God and the spirit of God touched you and filled you and you got a new vision of who you were and how great God, uh, a vision of who you were in his presence and how great he was in your heart and life. You went in like a kitten, but you came out roaring like a lion, declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's, see, it's like this. It's the difference between David and Israel. Israel allowed Goliath to just mock him uh, for 40 days, but David had been with God, and he went and met the giant, and he said, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And so that's the difference there. And so today is Pentecost Sunday. So uh, I really have about three weeks of preaching here, but I'm going to condense this down. And... Um, and, but I want you to really see, more than anything else today, I want you to see what happened leading up to Pentecost. Because in my life, personally, it was what led up to my personal baptism in the Holy Spirit that really, made, made, that, that really paved the way. You know, John the Baptist says, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. He was the one crying in the wilderness. Do you realize that I believe that any time there's a move of God in our lives, personally, and any times there's a move of God corporately or even in a nation, if you look behind the scenes of what preceded that, you're going to realize there was a spiritual way. Break up the fallow ground, the prophet said. Remember that? The fallow ground is the ground that has, it's clotted, it's hard, it's, it's, it's not easy to get the plow through. But when you break up the fallow ground, you prepare the soil so that the seed can be sown. Do you realize that the Lord wants to do more in each of our lives than we're experiencing? I'm going to promise you. The Lord wants to do more, but I believe the Lord will only do what we've, what we've sowed. What we, you're only going to reap what you've sown. Okay? As your faith, let it be unto you. And so the more preparation that goes in, the more blessing that's going to follow to that. So, so on this day of Pentecost, I really... Uh, I really would like to get to the second part, but I'm come back next Sunday. All right. We're going to have two services again next Sunday. And so I, I'm probably going to go to the second part of this, but we're going to look at what happened before Pentecost. Okay. So look, let's look at Acts chapter one. So what happened first, what happened before Pentecost? Now we know what happened at Pentecost. Now there's a lot that happened there, but what happened before Pentecost? The first thing that happened is found in Acts chapter one. And verse number three, let's look at that. Do you have your Bible? Shout amen. Yeah. Look at this, this happened. It says in verse three, and these, he, Jesus, the he is Jesus, and thee, to these, he also presented himself alive. Everybody say alive. alive. Now we don't serve a dead God. We serve a living Jesus. Come on. After his suffering, by many convincing, 
That word that in the old King James said infallible, many infallible, but it just means convincing, many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of how many days? Say it with me. 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Here's the first thing that happened before Pentecost. Here are the believers. Now, here's an amazing thing. Here's Jesus. This is the same Jesus who was born of the Virgin Mary. The same Jesus that grew up in Nazareth. The same Jesus that at 12 appeared in the temple and was asking questions and giving answers. And they were completely amazed. And, and he said to his mom and dad when they, you know, they lost him for a while. You know, it's terrible to lose Jesus. They found him after three days of searching. They found him in the temple. And he, and he was amazed. He, Mary said, what have you done to us? Don't you realize what you've done to us? And he said, he was surprised because he said, did not you know that I would be in my father's house? Did not you know that I would be about my father's business? And they were all like, what? Here's a kid that was more than just a man, more than just a human being. This was the God man, the same Jesus, the same Jesus that called his disciples, the same Jesus who ministered for about three and a half years doing signs, miracles, and wonders. And now this same Jesus, he's hanging on a cross, nails in his hand, nails in his feet. There, the crown down upon his brow. And he on that cross, they saw him there. He breathed his last. He gave up his spirit. And and he said, it was finished. And you read the centurion soldier that was there. He said he cried out with a loud voice. You could have heard that all the way from Jerusalem to Texas. It was the roar of God. And it so shook them. There was darkness for hours. And then he, he roars with a loud cry. And the centurion there that once were mocking him said, surely this is the son of God. And they took the body of Jesus and they placed him in the tomb. But on the third day, he rose again. And now here they are meeting with Jesus. And what are they doing? They are meeting. Think about this. This has happened before Pentecost. The Spirit's about to fall, the Holy Spirit. But before that, what are they doing? They are, they are deepening their faith. They spent 40 days in a mini Bible camp, in a mini Bible conference. And now here they are with Jesus. And they're listening to him teach. How long? 40 days. Between Pentecost and between Passover and Pentecost is 50 days. Do you know what Pentecost means? Pentecost simply means 50. From Passover to Pentecost is 50 days. And here they are, and they're spending time with Jesus. How many know the best thing we can do is spend time with Jesus? Many times we don't have Pentecost because we want it on the bargain table. We want it quick. We want it through the drive-thru. We don't want to sit down for the meal. We don't want to prepare. We don't want to take time to do the hard work. But I'll tell you what they did. They spent 40 days with Jesus. Do you realize if you spent 40 days in this book right here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour over this book. You realize that you can read this Bible. Do you know how long it takes you to read your Bible? From Genesis 1-1 all the way to Revelation 22. You can read this Bible in 78 hours. Can you imagine what 40 days of teaching and they're listening to him. And, and on, when he was on earth, before his death and resurrection, they said, no man spake like this man. And he's teaching them. What is he doing? He's preparing them to take the gospel to the whole world. 
And you'll notice this. Before Pentecost, they were fearful. Or, before, or after the death of Jesus, they were fearful. They were locked up. Peter goes back and goes fishing. There was anxiety. Now here they are. What are they doing? They're deepening their faith. And, and, and think about this. I told the first service this. It's important that, that we have a theology of a crucified Lord. We need a crucified Lord. Because if you don't have a crucified Lord, you have no salvation. Paul said, I glory and save nothing but the cross. So we need a crucified Lord. Without Jesus shedding his blood, there's no hope for humanity. We would all perish one day. We need a crucified Lord. But think about this. If all you have is a theology of a crucified Lord, you have a defeated faith. Because I want you to know, he didn't stay on the cross. Hebrews says the next time he comes back, he's not coming back to die for sins. He's coming back to save us and rescue us. Why? Because he didn't stay on the cross. He didn't stay in the tomb. He didn't stay in that old grave. Think about it. He rose up. So yes, I need a theology of a crucified Lord, but I also need a theology of a resurrected Lord. I also need a theology of a Jesus who came out of the tomb and for 40 days taught them about the kingdom of God and said, I'm about ready to do something. Remember I read to you as we started, I'm going to do a new thing. He said to the apostles, I'm about to do a new thing to you. I'm about to pour out my spirit on you. I'm about to send you to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. There's going to be such an outpouring. Thousands and millions will be saved. And I guess it worked. You know why? Because we're here today, and it started in Jerusalem, all the way from Jerusalem to here. How about let us get full of the Holy Ghost and send it all back the other way and win everybody between here and there? Come on. This gospel shall be preached into all the world, and then the end shall come. And so here they are. They're meeting with Jesus. They're deepening their faith, and now they're becoming strong. They're learning about him. And listen, we never stop learning about Jesus. There's always more. He's such a glorious Lord. So that's the first thing. They're learning, or they're deepening their faith. Here's the second thing that's happened before Pentecost, leading up to this great outpouring, and there we find in verses chapter 1, verse 4, 5, and 8. Look at this. And he said, and gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for what my father has promised, which he said, you have heard from me for John verse five, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy spirit. Not many days from now, then skip to eight, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Here's the second thing that happened. First thing that happened before Pentecost is they're just getting close to Jesus. I know when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, the two weeks leading up to that, literally, it felt like 24 hours a day. I was fasting I was praying. I was alone with God. I was just a teenager spending time with Jesus. Here's the second thing that happened. They were receiving specific instruction about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now think about this. He was about to do something different than he'd ever done. Now you realize that the Holy Spirit that we, the, the ministries of the Holy Spirit that we have today are different than they were in the Old Testament. It was more limited in the Old Testament in its scope of who all, of, 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 of the broad working of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. I mean, you know, Samson may be touched by the Spirit of God. Samuel may have a touch. Moses will have a touch. But as far as this broad outpouring of the Spirit on all flesh, it was not known. It was not known. That's why Moses was begging. That's why Moses said, I wish all of God's people were prophets. 
And so what we realize is we are in what is called the church age. We're in the age, some have called it the age of the Holy Spirit. And so he was teaching these disciples specific instructions that the Lord was about to do something that he had never done before. Listen, because in the, in, in, even under the ministry of Jesus, he said, the Lord, the spirit of God is upon you. He is upon you. You know, here's, here's, now think about this. I pray that we'll get this. If we'll ever get this, I'm going to tell you devil's in trouble. If you'll ever get this truth that the Jesus would send his apostles out on little missions. He'd say, you know, don't take any bag. Don't take a staff. This is going to be a short mission is what he was saying. I want you to go to the towns. I'm going to come preach afterwards. I'm going to come behind you. I want you to go prepare the way. And he said, and he said, he gave them power and they would go in. They would pray for the sick. They'd raise the dead. But the power didn't abide upon them. It was upon them for that specific mission. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, the spirit of God has been upon you. But he said, I'm about to do something new. The spirit of God is about to be within you. I'm about to do something in my Acts 2 experience and the great outpouring that I will send, the Spirit of God is going to imbue his church. The Spirit of God is going to fill his church where we have the rivers of living water in us. We don't have to go to some temple. I tell you, there's a, the Holy Spirit is within you. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. He goes with you everywhere. Come on, shout now. The Spirit of God is within us. He doesn't come and leave. You know, that's what we, now we realize that there's, there's times there's more of a manifestation. We realize there's a difference between omnipresence and manifest presence. You know, there's times on Acts chapter two, that was manifest presence. But listen to me, don't ever let the, te- the devil tell you, you don't have the spirit. If you've been baptized in the spirit of God, he's in you. He's with you all the time. When you lay down at, at night, he's with you. When you go to Walmart, you got your little mask on, go home Depot. He's there with you. Come on, shout amen. He's with you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, he will abide with you forever. He doesn't come and leave like he did for the apostles. We have the rivers of living water within us. That ought to make a Baptist shout. Come on, amen. I think that'd make an Episcopalian shout. Oh, come on, say amen, church. So what's Jesus doing? He's teaching them the specifics of the Holy Spirit. This was so vital They needed to wait for it. And we know that there's so much wonderful variety. There's words of knowledge, words of wisdom. There's discerning of spirits. There's gifts of healings. There's tongues. There's interpretation of tongues. There's prophecy. There's miracles. There's gifts of faith. And the Lord wants these gifts of the spirit flowing in the body so that we can minister to a hurting and broken world. And so that we can minister to one another. Oh, we need his spirit. Don't we need his spirit? Trinity Life Church is not going to be a church of a history lesson. You know, well, you know, back we had revival in 1902 and yeah, you know, sister so-and-so, she ran around the church. She got so happy. And yeah, you remember old brother so-and-so, he fell out under the power and -and so-and-so got healed. And it's like all they have is a history lesson. Do you realize we have Jesus with us now? We have Holy Spirit now. We have power now. You shall receive power if we have the Holy Spirit. Let's don't think about the old times. Let's let's praise God for them. But I'm telling you, there's a new river. God's going to do a new thing. Let's believe God for revival. Let's believe God for an outpouring of the Spirit of God, fresh and new every day. So what are they doing? They're they're drawing near to Jesus. They're spending 40 days in personal, intimate contact with him. And, And then they're receiving specific instruction on this. And then here's something very important that we need to understand. And that's this. They're receiving clarity 
about the kingdom of God. Now look at this, Acts 1 and verse 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him. Notice this, they were asking him. It wasn't that they asked him once. This is, they're pressing him, asking him, saying, Lord, isn't it this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What did he say? It's not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father put in his own authority. Then the next verse, 8, but you shall receive power. Now, here's what we need to understand. Capture this quickly. And that's this. The, the Jewish theology, Hebrew theology about the coming kingdom was that they saw the, the kingdom then and then the, the new king, the, the, the kingdom age, the, the, the coming kingdom. Thy, thy kingdom come. The kingdom age would come. Messiah would come and he would rule. He would put down all injustice. He would, he would come and he would rule and reign. And, and, he w- and Israel would reign once again also with him. And so they were constantly longing for this kingdom age. And guess what? When Jesus came, the, the, the expectation of, of a Messiah coming was fever pitch. Oh no, you don't understand. Fever pitch. They were thinking, John the Baptist, are you the one? John the Baptist, are you the one? He said, no, no, I'm not worthy to unloose the sandals of the one who's coming. There's one coming. I baptize you with water, but one's coming who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You get it? So this fever pitch, they're looking for a Messiah. And all of a sudden, this Jesus from Nazareth is baptized down into Jordan's chilly waters. And he comes up and, and, and he sees a dove. He filled the Holy Spirit. The sign of a dove is there, who's a type of the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, he starts preaching. The Messiah, Jesus, is healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's raising people from the dead. The deaf are hearing. He's he's doing what Moses did. Where they fed manna 40 years. They're looking for a Messiah like this. Isaiah prophesied that when the Messiah came, the lame would walk and the blind would see. They prophesied about this. And here's Jesus and they say, Jesus is here. Well, guess what? The Hebrew theology of kingdom is when Messiah comes, the kingdom is coming. The physical kingdom of God is coming. And Jesus kept saying to them, no, not at this time. And here's what happened. When he fed the multitudes, the loaves and the fishes, it says in John, they tried to take him and make him king. What were they doing? They were saying, we want the kingdom to come. This was so ingrained in them, Jesus had to, the the disciples got caught up in that. He sent them across the lake and they got in the storm and all. The reason he sent them away is because they were getting caught up with the crowd wanting to make him a king. He wasn't coming to bring a political kingdom. He wasn't coming to bring a national kingdom. He was coming to bring a spiritual kingdom. He was coming to bring the kingdom of God. And at one time it says it was at such fever pitch, he had to tell them the kingdom of God doesn't come with looking here or looking there. He said the kingdom of God is in your midst. What did he mean? He meant I'm here. Because you can't have a kingdom unless you have a king. And when you have Jesus, you have the kingdom. He is the kingdom. He is the ruler of the kingdom. But these disciples could not get this out of their head. Here they are 
and Jesus has tried to teach them and he's about to say a few more words and he's about to ascend up to go to heaven for 2,000 years now at the right hand of God and he has to say to them and they said to him again, now is the time the kingdom is coming? And he said, no, it's not in your discretion to know the times the Father's put in his hand. But here's what he said, but you shall receive power. Now catch this before we conclude. The kingdom of God has been manifest throughout human history. The redemptive acts of God's kingdom have been manifested in different forms and in different ways. First of all, the kingdom of God was manifest through Israel with the types, the shadows, the worship, all the rituals, all the types, all the shadows. God was preparing the coming of Jesus And he was preparing a people to be the incubator with which the nation that Jesus would be born in. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a Jewish Messiah. But when Jesus came, the Lord set aside the law. We don't come to God through the law anymore. Now that Jesus Christ is born, we don't need the law. We have substance. We don't need the type. I have the person. I have Jesus. And now they think the physical kingdom is going to come. But what we need to know is the kingdom of God now is being manifested by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God, he said, is not eating and drinking, but it's what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we're living in two ages. He said, I'm not tracking with you, preacher. You're kind of losing me here. You know, we're having, we're, 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 uh, you know, you're talking about we're living in two ages, Pastor? Are, we, are you talking about time travel? No, but I'm telling you, we live in two ages. This is a church age. This is the age of the Holy Spirit. This age reaches from this age, but it, it, it tips over into the other age. It tips over into the other, to the kingdom. How do I know that? Hebrews. Hebrews says the Christians have done what? By, by, by virtue that you have tasted of the Holy Spirit, by virtue that you have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, here's what Hebrews says, that we, we as Christians, have tasted of the powers of the world to come. So we're living between two tensions. We're in this world we're not of this world. This world's not our home. Our names are in heaven. Our, our Jesus is in heaven. We're, we're, we're strangers here. We're aliens here. And we have the spirit of the next age. So my point is this. Jesus said the kingdom will not be manifest in its physical form now. It was manifest in Israel. It was manifest in the presence of Jesus in his ministry. It, it's now manifest in the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you this. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that Jesus Christ will come again and he will establish his physical rule on this, in this world. Notice this. Look with me in Acts 1, in verse 9. And it says, after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking and the cloud received them out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he, was, uh, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they, said, all, they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, notice, will come. Everybody say, will come. Will 
he will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Yes, we are part of this spiritual kingdom. The Spirit of God lives in us. The kingdom of God is within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I declare to you that Jesus, who is the baptizer of the Spirit, is the same Jesus who's going to come. He's going to set his feet down on the Mount of Olives. He's going to come and defeat Antichrist. He's going to put sin down, and he is going to fix this world. And by the way, he's the only one that can fix it. No political system can fix it, but Jesus is the answer. Shout yes to that. Jesus is the answer. Today, I want you to stand with me as our musicians come back. I want you to see this last thing, this last thing that happened, this last thing that happened before this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Look, look with me, please, in chapter 12, verse 1. Chapter 1, or rather, chapter 1, verse 12. And it says, after he had said these, he had ascended... And then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Here's what happened before Pentecost. There were 10 days of incredible, incredibly intense prayer and intercession. They were having prayer meetings every single day. What would happen to any church family, for any congregation that said, we are going to have a prayer meeting every day, and everyone showed up. Everyone in this congregation, young and old, showed up to pray and to seek after God. I'm going to tell you, following that prayer meeting, the next thing would be a brand new outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is what happened. This is what paved the way for the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I read and heard and saw about a church in the 60s in Canada, in Saskatchewan, a very simple, humble pastor. He had actually been a pastor to the loggers up in the mountains. Humble man of God. God called him to a little church in a city in Saskatchewan, and he told the congregation, he said, if you don't come Sunday morning, I won't be upset. If you don't come Sunday night, I won't be upset. They, they did used to have Sunday night service, by the way. But he said, but if you miss the prayer meeting, I'll be very upset. Did you hear what I said? He said, if you miss Sunday morning, I won't say anything. If you miss Sunday night, I won't call you. But if you miss the prayer meeting, I'm going to be upset. That congregation heard the heart of their pastor, which was nothing more than the voice of the Holy Spirit through him. The church wasn't large. They had 175 members. And he said in the testimony, he said, and you can watch this. Go on YouTube. Watch Saskatchewan Revival. Uh, Leo, Leo, McLeod, I think is the pastor's last name. He said there were times when we had a membership of 175. Here's times that 175 people would show up to the prayer meeting. Kids and all. He said, oh, kids can't pray. That's what we believe. No, kids love to pray. Kids love to pray. Kids love the Holy Spirit. The, the children's workers would take the kids 
And I think some of the parents would switch off and they would take the kids into another room. And what would they do? They wouldn't play Tinker Toys. or They would pray with them. They would teach them how to pray age-appropriate prayers. They were training this next generation. Well, what, what's going to happen? Just like, just like if you prayed 10 days of intensive prayer. Pentecost means 50. So for 40 days, Jesus taught them. And for the last 10 days, they're waiting. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. There's something supernatural that's going to take place. They spent that time continually, what? Devoting themselves. They were devoting themselves continually. Ten days of prayer meeting. Well, guess what happened in this church in Canada? They began to pray. The congregation with one accord, just like one accord here. Everybody was there. One accord. They called out to God. They prayed. This was their habit. All of a sudden, God starts moving supernaturally in this church. People start getting saved. The Spirit of God starts being poured out. They literally had to swap buildings with another building because that got too small. And then revival begins to sweep to other churches around Saskatchewan. And I think it's called the Canada Revival or the Saskatchewan Revival. Go on your internet today and watch it. It will bless your heart. And you'll hear that pastor preaching the word of God and, and leading people to the Lord and leading people to the revival. What am I saying? I'm saying what happens before Pentecost is a prayer meeting. And here's, I want you to think about this. And I'll close with this. We do not see more power. We do not see the power that is that was manifest in the early church because we do not have the prayer lives of the early believers. Did you hear that? We do not see the dynamic of the Holy Spirit because we do not have the prayer lives of the New Testament believers. You take the prayer meetings out of the book of Acts you don't have very much. You don't have very much. My house shall be called the house of prayer. We need the Holy Spirit. And it says he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Luke eleven thirteen. Let's ask right now. You know, we're not coming to the front. I'm not going to lay hands on you for social distance reasons. But let's pray for a moment. Oh, God, we want your Holy Spirit. We want your divine presence. Lord, we don't want business as usual. We don't want to, go, we don't want to have some clever human scheme. We want you to be our scheme. We want you to be our program. We want the Holy Spirit to be our program. We need you. We're weak. We're sinful without you. We're weak without you. It's not by might, nor is it by power, but it is by my Spirit, says the Lord. So, Father, today I pray not only for cleansing, but, Lord, I also pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Just lift your hands and say, God, feel me, Jesus. Feel me, Jesus. Feel me. If you want to pray in your prayer language, that's fine. You're in a spirit-filled church. Release that prayer language as the Spirit gives you utterance. No one's going to tell you what to say. The Spirit will lead you. Release that prayer language today. Be filled today. Be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Some of you need that refreshing right now. This is the refreshing, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, let's worship. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Holy Spirit, have your way. 
our hearts today. Lord, I pray that you'd fill every person, every home to have your dynamic. Lord, we know the enemy has fought us during this time. Our enemy has fought us. When we're apart from one another as a body of Christ, it's, it's harder to serve God. That's just the way it is. That's not a statement of doubt or unbelief. That's just the way God created the body to be together. Some of you felt weak, and, but today, be strong. You're, you've come to this body. You've heard your pastor speak into your life. Be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Be filled with that joy. Be filled with that strength today. Be, be, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be strong, praying in the Holy Spirit. Building up yourself today. Thank you for this day, Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, oh God, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. We glorify your name. We honor you, Lord. Prepare every heart for what you want to do. Lord, you want to use our church. I believe that, Father. I ask God that you would prepare us for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God, when we get in this new building, there's going to be an outpouring. There's going to be a dynamic of your Holy Spirit. From the day we move in, there's going to be a dynamic of the Holy Spirit. From the day we move in, there's going to be a sense of your awe and your presence in this building. I believe it, Father. But it's not going to happen unless we pray and abide in you. Because you give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And Lord, we know that a lack of your presence manifest is an indictment that we have abandoned our prayer closets. Lord, I ask you to forgive us for our lack of prayer. And I ask you to help us to remember that this is the house of prayer. This is the house of prayer in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. I want you to know the Holy Spirit is not going to stay in this building. He's going with you. He's going with you to home. He's going with you throughout your day. The Holy Spirit is not upon you. He's with you. He's within you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are that collectively, but we are that individually as well. Amen. Father, today, thank you for each and every one that has joined us today in our first service and our second service. I'm so grateful for your presence has been both in both of these meetings. And Lord, I just I testify and attribute that to the prayers of your people and to your mercy. Lord, we love your presence. We want more of your presence. We, Lord, I want to say again, Father, we're not interested in a program. We're not interested in a clever scheme. Well, Lord, we want your presence. We want your presence to be our plan. We want your presence to be the guide. We want your presence to be with us. Holy Spirit, teach us because you're our teacher. Teach us more how to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to minister in the Spirit. And so, Lord, today I pray your protection over your people. I pray grace on you, dear ones. I pray the grace of God would be with you. I pray that the communion of the Holy Spirit with you, the love of God would be with you, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with you. And that you'd be strong in this fellowship 
would be a fellowship of grace and love. This has felt so right today. This has felt so right today. I've been felt like I'm in an alternate universe. I've been feeling like my life has been taken away. But Lord, I'm here with your people today in the first and second service. And Lord, this felt so right today. This felt like this was home today. And I love it, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for your sheep. Protect us. Keep us in your hand. And for this we ask in that most wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus our Lord. Amen, church.